0: Shay is a mum of four, but let's backtrack on her story a bit. Her story as a mum all started with her daughter, Lana. Her second bub, Charlie, sadly died at 37 weeks due to a true knot. She was born sleeping on the 16th of December, 2015. Lana was only two years old,
1: but six weeks after the death of Charlie, James had started his journey. A few months after the birth and death of Charlie, while also being a mum and nearly pregnant again, Shay took on a project to help overcome her grief and anxiety and hashtag Life struggles as a new but bereaved mother. She set out to create something to honour Charlie and to support other women who've been in this situation by creating a not-for-profit organization called Charlie's Baskets, providing care packages to families experiencing the trauma of stillbirth or the death of a baby in the first few days after birth. Currently, Lana is almost 5 and James is almost 2. And she's pregnant again. You can find Shay at her website, shaywoodhouse.com, which is s h a y e W W O D H O U S E, or at shay woodhouse on instagram and we will have all those links in at the show
0: notes
2: enjoy welcome shay how are you today i'm great thank you thanks for having me sarah yeah well before we
0: sort of jump into your story with charlie we would just love to sort of hear where you're at right now. So um, just sort of what's currently going on in life and what's going on with Lana and James and things, so and how you're juggling
2: life. Mm. I think it's a juggle for everybody, isn't it? At the moment, Lana is four and I'm looking at primary schools. So that is fun, nerve-wracking, exciting, first child going to school. Once you've got one out of the way, I think it's easy for the others, but still, still, yeah, very nerve-wracking. And James, James, just James, his typical boy, eats everything and just smashes everything, really. That's about it. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but just trying to juggle um, the kids and their activities and work. Yeah, because you're having to work in the office and you're juggling just... work. Very different for me. I'm used yeah. to working from home and having all those flexibilities. Mm-hmm. So I'm only in one day a week at the office, but it does impact. So I don't know how full-time mummies and daddies do it. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. great. Awesome. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, I was
1: reading over a blog post that you did um, about Charlie's basket. I'm just going to toss this toss Charlie's basket in the middle now, uh, while we're here. And, um, it was just such a beautiful idea. Um, and, but something that I really liked is the way that you spelt Charlie mm.
2: with C H A R L E. Yes. Yes. Um, I thought it was a lot more feminine for a girl. Everybody kept thinking, uh, telling me, um, why don't you just call her Charlotte and call her Charlie for short, but I didn't really like that for a first name and, even though it would be, you know, only on the birth certificate and you'd give him a nickname um, for Charlie. I just I always wanted to call her Charlie and that's, that's the way I was going to go with it. Yeah, yeah. it's beautiful. Give it I a bit it. of difference for Charlie's basket too, sort of common spelling, I think.
0: Which yeah, nice. which is beautiful, I think, and it sort of all just flows through. And I suppose just on that, that just prompts me to ask, um, when throughout
2: the pregnancy did you give Charlie her name? As soon as I found out she was a girl, as soon as I knew I was having a girl, I was like, no, her name is going to be Charlie. I wanted to call my daughter Lana Charlie and their dad or her dad, Nick, didn't want to have a bar of it. No, you're not calling Charlie. It's <laughs> a boy's name. And I said, yeah. no, but I because I love, um, boyish, boyish, boisterous names for yeah. girls. I think it's really nice. So I wanted mm-hmm. to go with it. And, um, so when I had to Charlie, I found out she was a girl. I thought, no. Definitely, and everybody really thought it was so weird that I'd already given her a name, but mm. I loved it, and I think it really suited her. Even mm. as things ended the way they did, I think she really suited being a Charlie. Yeah, and I think that um,
0: giving them a name early on, regardless of whether you tell people, like I think it's really special because it gives you that extra bonding um, opportunity Definitely. to talk to them, and you know, have that sense of this is my baby, and they're so real um rather than it just sort of being like oh we'll just leave it till the end like it's such a nice better than calling it jelly bean the whole way through (laughs) yeah Yeah, that's right and I think it's just such a beautiful bonding experience that um you know a lot of people I think can look back and regret if they don't sort of have had that opportunity and Mm. they've been through what we've all been through so Mm. yeah I think it's really really special
2: Yeah, yeah definitely Yeah, Yeah. that's nice. And I didn't want to save the name for another outcome. She was always just, that's who she was. That's right. Yeah. And
0: that makes her her and that's, you know, and she's your little girl. So, yeah, absolutely.
1: That's right. So just to recap for the guests who um, haven't heard about Shay and her daughter, Charlie. Charlie is the baby daughter that you lost. And that's what brings us all here today to tell Charlie's story. And... I guess we'll just dive in would you like to start telling us charlie's story
2: yeah well i guess i'll begin where i like i always begin it was the um 14th of december uh 2015 so only a couple of years ago still you know pretty recent considering everything else that's been happening um one day i'd woken up and i just didn't recall having a move um my partner had gone to work and I had Lana. I'm running around after a two-year-old, so it wasn't really, you know, in the front of my mind. I thought, no, I'm sure she's moved and probably felt her turn, but she she had died in the night. Um, and that wasn't until the end of the day when my partner came home. I do I think she's moved. And I tried all the tricks and I started to get really worried and ring up the hospital and they said, you know, drink the cold water and eat this food and it will make her move around. Nothing happened. Um Got And as soon as I got in the car, I knew, I knew, I knew she was gone and I didn't want to go to the hospital. But as soon as I got to the hospital and there was no heartbeat, um, nobody even said to me, actually, there's no heartbeat. There was just silence on the, what do you call those little machines that track the heartbeat? The Doppler? Doppler. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I just had the Doppler on this, this stingy little store closet room, um, because all the birthing suites were taken up and there was just nothing. And I was 37 weeks. Um, so full term. Um, and then I, it took me about two days to get induced. So on the 16th of December, I had Charlie and she was born. And it was, yeah, it was a horrible experience. I was only 23 and there was nothing wrong with my pregnancy. There was nothing wrong with Charlie. It was just there was a knot in the umbilical cord and that's what caused her to die. So she lost oxygen and didn't hadn't received any. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if I wanted to see her. Um, In fact, I said, like, I don't want to see her. I had so much information coming my way, couldn't digest it. My partner had left me there to give birth to Charlie by myself. So I was there on my own. I wanted to have my daughter there. I wanted to have my partner there and wasn't strong enough in myself to say, no, this is how I want to do it. And that's always going to sit with me. I'm always going to regret that. Um, But then as soon as she was born and I did see her, I thought she was the most beautiful thing in the world. Just the same as when I had Lana. I just, well, actually when I had Lana, I thought she looked like an alien. It freaked me out. But (laughs) when I had Charlie, like I'd already been a mother and I knew what to expect and Mm. I thought she was this most beautiful thing. But so many things, even when she was born that I didn't expect, like the the condition of her skin, even though she'd only died, you know, Mm. not that long ago, um, how she was going to be born with her eyes closed and the way she was rushed away from me rather than flopping her on my, on my chest for that crucial time of skin on skin contact and didn't know whether to smile or whether to cry. And I actually regret not smiling in any of the photos when she was born. And I didn't have a photographer a heartfelt came in a couple of uh, the next day or so after, Maybe a little bit longer, and I took some photo. Fo- they took some photos, which is beautiful, and that was Gavin Blue, who actually mm. um, founded um, Heartfelt, which is an amazing organisation. And I'm going to cherish those photos forever. But yeah, that was kind of really what happened in those first few days. Mm. There's a lot more. There's so much just to digest, <laughs> yeah. and so much you just can't. You wish you'd written down, wrote and kept somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's
0: it's full on and those first in that kind of like fog and shock of everything and as you said sort of um tracking into getting thrown all that information even before you've given birth is so um it's a lot mm. so i think by us sharing which is one of you know one of the many reasons why we're doing this is so that people maybe can kind of get informed a mm. little bit more mm-hmm. and just yeah. sort of understand that these things are going to happen and they're throwing so much at you and mm. it, it's hard to digest. Mm. It really is. You're only retaining about like, I reckon for me, it was like 5% oh, of ew. like what's getting thrown at you <laughs> yeah, and even definitely. the days after and it's so, it's so hard. Yeah. And, um, well, you're picking
2: up funeral selections and funeral yeah. parlours or caskets and everything before you've even given birth. Yeah, So it's, yeah, it's really... Mm. Not the way it should be going down. No. But for so many of us it is. Yeah. I have so many
0: questions, but I'm going to dive into just um, maybe just talking more about if we'll just sort of extend on with Charlie with the knot. Mm-hmm. Um, do they know when that possibly
2: happened? How that might have happened? Well, I, I didn't know until after she was born. Mm-hmm. So oh. I was asking the whole way through, like, why has this happened? And. You know the common answer is mm, we don't know, and sometimes it's just something that happens, and it could be anything. And and as soon as she was born, and I had delivered um, most of the the cord, I still hadn't um, still had the, the placenta and everything. Um, it was very obvious how she had gone. It was very massive i don't even really know how to other than describe it. it was a massive true knot and that's the way it was called to me and doctors came in and took photos of it for um educational purposes and things like that and it was just clear i didn't need to go into any further uh, i didn't need to autopsy or anything like that because it was very clear that that's how she passed away but other than that that's all i knew mm. that there was this, this this knot and there's no way really to explain why there's a knot other than mm-hmm. you know maybe a an active baby Maybe their cord was a little bit longer. Maybe they twisted really early in the pregnancy the wrong way and the more they grew, the tighter it got in the wrong position. Yeah. And that's all. Mm-hmm.
0: That's, like, you know, very um, very impressive that you took on the fact of, like, allowing them to come in and take photos for research purposes and things like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, in, in those moments you generally will keep, I mean, most people want to kind of just recluse and just not really, I mean, you don't know what to say or do, but, um, I always put my hand up. I don't mind. Yeah. (laughs) I think, I think it just shows, um, you know, another part of, you know, who you are and, um, you know, if you can use that to give back, you know, and hope for someone else and things, which I think is really, which is really beautiful thing to do in such a very raw, vulnerable moment. So, yeah yeah i wanted to um, throw that in
2: (laughs) oh but any 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 way that i could have you know if that can help one student that's going to be you know there for a mother and their family through that experience or if that's going to prevent or you know create more research into being able to develop something so they can tell before because i mean if charlie was induced the day before everything had happened she'd be alive there was no reason for her not to be alive um and if that can do anything for that then why wouldn't i do it like it's just yeah. so important there's no research really available very minimal research available to prevent stillbirths mm-hmm. and you know they hadn't there's been no decline in a in it over a decade and it's just like astonishing. after i got into that space because i you know had nothing to do with any of that before i'd lost charlie um anything to prevent or to help somebody. It's just so important to me. Yep. Especially after that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what? And and a, a lot of bereaved parents sit in the same boat, like once they've lost a child, it's they don't want anybody else to ever go through it. So it's all of a sudden this like thing in their life that they become very, you know, attached to in trying to do anything they can to, help someone else not have to go through it mm. so because the, the pain is the pain is just
2: yeah it's oh, indescribable that's right and it's not a community you want to be a part of but it's an incredible community mm-hmm. yeah you know once you are
1: so mm. would you like to tell us a little bit about finding out you're pregnant and your pregnancy with charlie
2: um i became once i started trying became pregnant very quickly and called Nick, and he was very shocked. He was, uh, he couldn't believe it. I just was making dinner and he came home. We'd probably been trying. It's probably my first cycle. Once we started trying, Lana was just over one. Um, And said, oh, guess what? I've got something to tell tell you. You're pregnant, aren't you? Yes, I am. (laughs) Now, that was it, and I everything was going fine it was like tech, textbook perfect pregnancy um i mean you know other than morning sickness but that's pretty textbook you know most people get that <laughs> um but that was it It was it was really crazy. just what i expected i was very lucky i was very lucky it was um considering all things it was you know if there's anything i can take away from charlie and having her it was a really good pregnancy and even though she had passed away, it was a really good birth as well. So I get to take that away as well. It's not traumatic in any, mm. in any sense, other than there was a tragedy. That's all. Um, something else really to sort of say about the pregnancy because it was just so, what do you call, I guess, yeah. normal, you know? yeah.
0: Well, I suppose then that sort of leads into, cause you were just saying that it's, there was nothing sort of other than the fact that she died, there was nothing that was sort of too traumatic about the pregnancy or the birth Um, but going into the birth, um, I want to, would like you to elaborate the fact that because obviously you were induced, Mm -hmm. um, for it and how you felt, um, were there things that you kind of learned or didn't like about the whole entire process Mm -hmm. because, you know, um, induction is quite, it seems to be so common actually. Um, and you know, and it's sort of against how how our bodies should kind of go and in in a sense of once it all becomes just about the mum um yeah I just want to sort of delve into that definitely
2: um well I first want to just mention like I did have James after and he was induced as well and now looking back and comparing the two Charlie was a lot easier um Saying that, my body was not in any way ready. Like I had not been I was not dilated at all. Um and with James when I started getting induced, I was once in a move dilated already, but I didn't even know. But so with yeah, with Charlie and the birth with Charlie. It like induction is a lot more painful than natural birth Um but it's it I don't know, it was just such an emotional thing too. Um I had all the midwives and everybody around me saying, you know, do you want to have something to help with the pain? And I really didn't want to, but eventually did. And even that, I think I regret that I had um, the what is it again? <laughs> I keep forgetting what it's called. Um, Pethidine or no, when the, they put the um, this in your spine? What's it again? epidural it's epidural that's the one yeah how did I forget <laughs> that's the that, one. Yeah, <laughs> I forget the, that? One, the thing that everybody yeah, wants because you see it in it. every single movie yes that's, that's right why. oh yeah. well that's just tells totally you where my brain's at doesn't yeah. it <laughs> um yeah no I had that but I I once kind of was there and because I'd said no the whole time my body started to really she just started coming on just all of a sudden and um, it didn't have time to work and I had said I didn't want it. And then I gave in and I ended up having it and it just didn't, it didn't work at all. So I was there and then after I'd given birth through, I couldn't move and I couldn't get up. I couldn't hold her really or anything like that. I'm just sitting in this bed with numb legs, but the whole way through, um, it just took so many hours to, to, to get dilated, to get to that 10 centimetres, I remember the doctor coming in and saying, you're only at three centimetres. And I think I'd been there was like eight hours or something. And I said, are you effing serious? (laughs) Like, are you serious? And she looked at me with this look on her face, like, oh, don't talk to me like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But also didn't say anything because she knew the situation was quite delicate. It just took so long to dilate. And I just remember having the gas and laying there and quiet and not having anybody there with me It was just such a lonely time except for every now and then the bereavement counselor um, organizer coming in and out whenever she did and I just thought she was knee-high to a grasshopper and she's just telling me all this information about you know funeral homes and uh, what you can do and that was really all what my birth experience was about. It was about talking about these things, but it was still, you know, dilating and everything, even though it was a really long time because so my body wasn't ready to do it. It was, you know, it was pretty good, I guess, considering all things. Um, I just didn't want to let go. Didn't want to let go of Charlie.
0: Yeah. And that's um, totally fair enough, isn't yeah. it? So, um, and I'm just going to keep jumping in. Yeah. Uh, cause obviously we've spoken about this, mm. um, number of times because we've known each other for quite a while now um but just so that our you know for for a lot of people you said that you're alone Mm -hmm. um your partner had just decided he didn't want anything to do with it and just
2: for him obviously that was his process yeah well but he he was there for quite a bit um but then like I said, I was mm. only a couple of centimetres dilated. It was mm. going to be a lot longer. And I said, well, you may as well go home with Lana for a little mm. bit. And then he just didn't come back. Yeah. So I was calling him and saying, you know, you've got to get back here. Yeah. Can people please call him? I think we called him about five or five to no, six, seven, eight times, probably more. Mm. <laughs> um, and he just was like, no, I can't come back. No, I can't come back. So I think it was once he left, he just couldn't return.
0: Yeah. That reality so, for yeah. him and yeah. facing all the things that he obviously it sort of dawned on him the mm-hmm. reality and once again sort of his coping mechanism but that wasn't helpful for yeah. you um
2: and what you needed and i'm also i was 23 when that was happening yeah. he's only a year older than me yeah. so 24 year old 24 year old men, men are immature at the best of times yes and right. to be 24 <laughs> and to be a young father and then to have lost a baby i think it was really hard and i you know Always hold that you know he wasn't there for me, but all, at the same time, I do understand like he was mm. very young and it's, mm. it's hard for me to go through, and I'm quite a strong person, so yeah. I think, but yeah, it wasn't like he made the decision to mm. no, I can't be here with you, he just couldn't return. I think it was once he left that hospital, the whole reality, the reality mm. of it just hit him probably like a ton of bricks as soon as he walked out,
0: yeah, and especially having had you know, um, you know, healthy you know, great child who's just filling your life full of so much joy and you're just getting to the very end and all of a sudden it, your world just completely changes. Um, for them, it is, it is also so different, but it's sitting in the space here today. Cause we're obviously not going to, you know, talk about his, his issues, um, and things, but, but for you, um, all those feelings, and obviously this is what's it's led you to, you know, do Charlie's basket, but, Um, the things that you need, um, like what, what helped, like what missed because, you know, not having not just, you know, you have the support because Mm -hmm. there are people around you Mm -hmm. in the birthing suite, Mm -hmm. but they're not your support people. Mm -hmm. Um, so regardless of whoever they are, your support person, I think missing those crucial people, um, for
2: you, what um, yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I think looking and what, that's why I started, did Charlie's Files. Cause when I started to look back, I didn't realize how much I didn't have at that time that I needed to have. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just like I had, I had an amazing midwife, um, who I love. And, and then when she had to leave, she passed me on to another amazing midwife who delivered Charlie. Um, and they were great, but then it was even just, you know, the overload of information and I didn't have any family that wanted to sort of come down. I did have a family member come down, but it's probably the worst thing that could have happened. (laughs) Um, and, and Nick left. Um, so then it wasn't until I left the hospital, I thought, well, you know, what if there are people out there that are like me and they don't have a strong family support network or friends that can come down and um and help them through that that you know are strong enough to go through that with you um you know i could have really used some essentials that could have really helped me take care of myself and that's why i did charlie's basket it was about self care and how i could take care of myself because i didn't have people there to help take care of me in those really important moments and it's not until you know, it's a week or two weeks, or you've said goodbye to your baby that you realize, wow, I can never do any of those things ever, ever again. I'm never going to get that opportunity. It's not like when you've got a, you know, two-year-old or four-year-old and things happen even, you know, when your children are around, but, um, having an impression kit, you know, or an inkless print kit and something of theirs and having a clip of their, a lock of their hair all of those sorts of things I think was really important to me after because I realized, and I've realized for a long time, part of my life that I just don't have like a family support network and a support network. I've built one, you know, now after I've get, gotten to the community that we're in that we so desperately don't want to be a part of. Um, but, you know, at that stage that's what I needed to do and that's why I wanted to do Charlie's Basket in a different way because I a knitted teddy bear it just wasn't enough for me.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, yeah. And that's it, isn't it? Like there's, there's so much to it. And even if you do have the support, I think, you know, as you said, it's just having those essentials that if for something that is so crucial, like, you know, you love them even, you know, if you're giving birth to a beautiful, healthy life baby, mm. um, to create those memories. But in the moments where things are gone so quickly and you have to make those memories in such a very small
2: Time frame, yeah. and it shouldn't be you making those decisions. That's right, you know, you don't, yeah. you're already processing all that information They told you this went wrong, this went wrong. Yeah, by the way, you haven't delivered yet. <laughs> Pick a funeral. Um, and you, you know, you can't make all those decisions. Oh, I need to have this, I need to have that. You yeah. need to have that there for you already. Mm. Yeah, and it shouldn't be this the luck of the draw from whatever hospital you go to. It should be like a standard. Yeah, that's what I wanted to do. yeah
0: and I think it's a beautiful thing as well. You know, I, I know I being on the receiving end of a Charlie's basket myself was just, you know, a huge, huge help and just having the things that every time he we went back into the hospital to, you know, visit him and spend time with him just made things so much easier mm. and
2: an activity to do yeah. and to share with him. So, yeah. you know,
0: and trying to do the imprints with, it, you know, and like, sadly enough, like a baby that you don't know how to mm-hmm. <laughs> figure out how to do things with because, obviously they're just, being a lifeless baby it's 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 a very tricky situation but you know it's stuff that we look back um and as hard as, as hard as it is um you know making those memories it just mm. you, you can't you can't put a price on that like mm. ever yeah. So, yeah yeah and
2: I think that's like I wanted to have those things in there because those are things I regretted I didn't get to do and I didn't want somebody else to have that regret and even mm. if they didn't want to do it and they did it anyway and then they tossed it away at least they had it if they were strong enough to look back at it later because not everybody's going to be as strong as you are (laughs) where you know you can you can do that and really have enjoyed it Mm -hmm. some and some people might not even do it themselves the the items that are in there like the impression kits and things but um anybody that's there that can do it for them for them to take home i think's something that they can cherish forever
1: Yeah. I just find it so interesting that you called Sarah strong, but and not that I disagree with that at all. I believe you're both amazing strong women. But in you, Shay, I see such an amazing resilience for you to walk that journey alone, to walk through your labour alone, and make the decisions alone, and then to pour all of that. St- um, resilience and strength that you had into charlie 's basket
2: and in char into charlie 's legacy is just
1: Thank astounding you. to me,
2: and not to stand like not sound modest at all I just I just never looked at myself that way because mm. there were so many things that I took away that I regretted or that I wish i 'd done and um, it was just about creating something and having something available for women and their families and whoever was there because there 's so many different types of families now. Um, they could, they could just have, and didn't have to have those regrets. So Mm. it wasn't really, I never looked back and thought I'm so strong because I didn't have anybody there. I felt, felt weak. In Mm. fact, I felt alone and isolated. And I just wanted to help that in any small way. So obviously I can't be there for every family and be like, you know, let's get through this. Um, Mm. not that, you know, it's about just getting through it, but Mm. having something there to acknowledge their baby and their situation. Yeah, because it's all those things that you look back on,
0: and there's no matter how you go through it, I think you always look back and go, I could have done more. Mm. There's always that, always that. Um, one more hold, one more like cuddle, one more, you know, just another handprint, or it's just anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so if uh, that kind of just leads me into. Wanting to know what
2: would you have done more? I would have gone into the hospital mall. I was singing. Uh, I went in every day except for one. But then every day that we went in, I had Lana and I had Nick and he didn't really want to be there. And so we left sooner than I wanted to and I just didn't want to go. And I'd be singing a lullabies and he would ask me to stop because I was freaking him out. <laughs> then I was singing nursery rhymes to her a dead baby mm. a baby that's floppy and cold and mm. um just being rolled in in a i mean when my midwife was in there if she was in there and charlie was in there she would bring her in and have her wrapped in a nice warm um, blanket for me and have her holding her in her arms but there was other midwives that would choose not to do that and mm. that would roll her in in a cot with a blanket over the top of her mm. like literally just walking you know somebody out of the morgue and it was just so confronting to me Mm -hmm. something you just didn't expect to have done ever ever throughout Mm -hmm. your life um so i wish i would have gone in more even if it was just by myself to sing another lullaby to smell her hair to anything just to touch her more take more photos Mm -hmm. yeah all of those things, everything that you want to do with a newborn baby. Yeah. That's 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 breathing. Like that's, yeah. I I wish
0: I went in more. That's what I wish I did. Yeah. Well, that's nice. And that's the thing I think, um, for anybody listening who is potentially about to go through it all, it's just as much as it, you know, prior, I think every, every mum, especially the well, you know, I'm sure the, the partner feels the same and if not probably worse actually, but, you know, you hear it off so often. I don't know whether I want to hold my baby Yeah, because you don't know what the baby's going to look like. Yeah. Um, and that can happen anywhere in that sort of gestation period. And especially a bit more earlier on, because i like, you know, from what I've heard a lot of people, that's where it really, because you don't know what they're going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, but everybody Once you talk to them afterwards, when they're ready for that conversation, it always comes back to, I couldn't have cared less. Mm -hmm. It's my baby. It's that motherly instinct that kicks in every time because it's your hormones, it's your protection, no matter the fact that they're actually, that they've died, but you still love that baby and, you know, you've named them and you just want to, have that time with them and it's so, um I think, yeah, it's just such an important thing for people to understand that it's okay how you actually feel mm. if you're unsure but sort of trust your instincts. Mm-hmm. If you maybe feel like you need a little bit more time with them, that's okay. Yeah. You
2: spend more time with them. And I would encourage it. Like Absolutely. And I said, like I said before, I said I didn't want to see her. I didn't yeah. know if I wanted to hold her or touch her. I didn't, you know like old school put a blanket up over my legs. No. But as soon as she was born, I like was reaching out for her because it was a motherly instinct. Like I couldn't help myself. It was just the way my body was responding. Um and as soon as she was born I regretted all of those thoughts. But yeah, one thing that if I was to encourage anything for anybody that's about to go through this and I'm so sorry if you are. But I would you know, just absorb as much of that as you can when you're ready because it's not going to be there later.
0: That's right. It's It's mm. gone such in the blink of an eye and, you know, you don't have a lifetime to make right. memories, you know, and it's over and done with and, you know, you get asked and, you know, people like, you know, the midwives and nurses will ask, you know, whenever you're ready and most of the time they'll give you that time to spend at the hospital Um and I think, and everyone always will come back later and go, oh, I wish I had spent more time. Mm-hmm. You know, may I wish
2: I had stayed overnight with them rather than going home. And mm-hmm. um, that's one thing I wish I had done. But I didn't even think really that it was an option either. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I had Charlie really sort of late in the night. So I did have that one night, but soon mm-hmm. that next morning, I think eight o'clock in the morning, I was going home and I'd wish I'd stayed that, that extra night just to recover for myself yeah because that's the thing you know
0: they kind of give well for me they gave me the option because you know what same same as Mm -hmm. you a bit overnight and then you're going into the next day and you get that option to you know they're like you can stay we've made a room you can stay if you like and I decided to go home not to take away from your story but um it's that thing of I look back and I go god I just wish I stayed yeah you know and it's and it's a simple thing because you're like hang on I in hindsight as well you've just given birth Mm -hmm. you're gonna like stay for a healthy baby in for two nights yeah so why then did I feel the need to go home I don't know but you know it's that thing of kind of yes always in hindsight but you know and this is why we're here to tell people it's okay to stay you know it's okay to lie down in the bed and cuddle your baby and just have those moments, you know, it's really important to, um, take as much time as you need. And I think for me,
2: like the reason I wanted to leave too, was I wanted to leave that situation. I wanted it to be over. I wanted, you know, it not to be happening. I thought, you know, maybe it's just a bad dream. I'll go home. I'll wake up in my bed and I'll still have my baby in my belly and I'll be in in a couple of weeks, you know, it, but it wasn't, and that's what was happening. Mm. Yeah, it's like real, like check out
0: of reality, you know. And you, yeah, and that's that's it. Like a lot of the time, you just want to wake up, and it's all been a really like you can't even say bad dream. Let's say nightmare. It's mm. an absolute nightmare. Mm. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's not the reality
1: though. So, um, I'd just like to take a couple of steps back to um you laboring with Charlie and like you said it was quite a a long drawn out labor with your induction and I'm just imagining you there alone but also this bereavement counselor coming in giving you information about starting to create a funeral mm. for Charlie would yeah. you like to talk a little bit about how you made those decisions yeah. and how oh, that played out
2: big clipboard sorry cut you off came with a big clipboard and a big big board of papers um but yeah when she came in she you know just was saying oh you know we have to make these decisions and we'd like you to get this you'd sign these waivers but I'm going to put these other pa- this other paperwork down for you to read and I don't think I read through anything um I just signed whatever they said I had to sign and wanted to be alone <laughs> Well, I actually had my midwife, I asked her to come and stay with me and and she did for a while and she was going to stay overnight with me and then she's like, no, I have to pass you on to the next person because well, we didn't know how long it was going to take. But making those decisions was, it was just like a fog. I don't really remember making any of the decisions. I remember that I didn't want to have a buried, I wanted to have a cremated and that was sort of the only thing that I was adamant about. I... I knew I just wanted to have her with me always. I didn't want to have to one day move and not have her with me. I didn't want to have her, um, wherever she was buried to be vandalized or anything like that. Cause I'd read and seen those things happen before. And that's not to say that that's not the right decision for anybody, but for me,
0: mm.
2: I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Um, so we just made arrangements for that and. She was telling me about the costs of what those things were going to be, and <laughs> we didn't really have the money for any of it. Um, so we just the other arrangements were to get a bereaved Centrelink payment and to um to have you know sign the birth death certificate. Or, what, I don't know if it is it a birth certificate and that's just has stillbirth on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. So I'm just signing all those sorts of paperwork um, before I. Uh, on every drug you can imagine giving birth and, um, while I was still contracting, which was mm. fun, but yeah, no, it was something that was so really bizarre and just still such a fog. Like I don't remember any of it. I couldn't intake any of that information. I was more concerned as why, why is this happening to me? Mm. I'm, I'm healthy. I'm only 23. I'm mm. fit. I have a healthy child. There's nothing wrong with my baby. What's going on. So signing that paperwork was just whatever mm. I'll sign what you need me to sign and throw the rest in the bin. I don't want it
1: that was it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Just yeah. did I just can't even imagine what that feels like in terms of going into the hospital and knowing you had to give birth to Charlie and that she wasn't alive and then to transition so quickly into coming to terms with the fact that your baby had died and going straight into
2: creating that funeral and making those decisions. Mm, I was making all the phone calls to all the family too, by the way, while I was doing that. I mentioned that because Nick stopped talking as well. So he couldn't say, he wasn't speaking to anybody, wasn't even speaking to me when he was there. So I was calling everybody as well to say, look, by the way, this has happened. And I'm We're going to have the baby. And then in between all the paperwork as well. So it was... It just was different. <laughs>
0: so much, so much for you to on take, Um, which is, you know, it's it just.
2: But it's just like that <sighs> for too many people too.
0: That, yeah, and that's the thing. And, and trying to have to tell everybody over and over and over the same thing um, and not having that person to be able to do it for you is really hard. So, yeah, it just sort of comes back to the whole, you know, <laughs> The resilience, just how yeah. you, you know, you're how, I mean, at the end of the day, you're kind of thrust into that and you had to just do it. Mm, well, that's um, what I was just going to say. Yeah. You just yeah. have
2: to do what you have yeah. to
0: do. Yeah. no choice. Yeah. That's but, right. Not having any choices or yeah. any, you know, that support in the and end I, is, is, is tough.
2: And I think when you, once you've gone through something like this, you know, hopefully you don't have to but you really realise that there's nothing in your control That's and fine. you have to do what you have to do. There is no choices mm-hmm. um, about it. You just have to go with whatever and once you decide and it's too late, you've got to do, go through with that decision. It's, you can't go back and change it. So it's, it's just the way it is.
0: That's right. Um, and then if we kind of fast forward mm-hmm. only a few weeks after that, um, you were pregnant with James. Yes, so if we want to delve into that and
2: um, yeah. yeah, well going back a little bit back yeah. to the birth of Charlie yeah. um, while I was crowning, I was screaming, I'm gonna have another one. <laughs> um, so yeah, six weeks after I was pregnant, was pregnant with little James and I was shitting myself. I didn't know didn't know if I wanted to attach myself, I didn't know if I should. I knew I wanted to have another baby, not that it was replacing Charlie because you can never replace a baby and anybody that says to you that, oh, you can have another one, at least you can get pregnant and all those things is just crap. It's the worst thing you can say. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was so anxious with James. Like I didn't know how to bond. I didn't know how I wanted to bond with him, Mm -hmm. but I automatically did because I couldn't help myself again it was that just that instant motherly instinct as well again like all over again so then yeah I had James and I was just stressed out the whole way through and totally anxious and I had a lot more checkups um even though there was nothing wrong with Charlie and then I had him Juiced at 37 weeks and he had a wet lung so he went into special care for a few days and I wasn't able to be with him so it was a similar feeling of driving away to the from the hospital um without a baby and then driving there again but you know just being so thankful that he was still alive and just so worried that he could be taken away from me at any minute yeah
0: yeah and that's a fairly (laughs) fairly big you know response like you know most pretty much everyone would feel like that so it's once you're touched by the fact that it can happen at any point there's no we we do know now like there's no safe time with pregnancy or even after you've got a baby in your arms a lot of people you know obviously have that um where they've lost their baby not long
2: after and yeah it's just yeah it's 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 tough well that's exactly like you said there's no safe zone so it doesn't matter if you're six weeks 12 weeks 16 weeks 24 weeks 37 weeks 42 weeks like it does not matter and so I didn't have that for a lot of people that I know, friends and things, um, people that I've met through, you know, working on Charlie's Basket, when they have become pregnant with another child and they've gotten to their point of where they lost their baby, how they felt less less anxious. There was just none of that for me. I had to go the whole way up. And as soon as I got to that 37-week mark, I was like, no, I have, to, I have to have him. And that's another thing that I regret too. Like, I wish I'd just let my body do it on its own because then I think, well, you know, I did that to him. I put him in special care Mm. because of my feelings. Um, But in saying that, then, you know, he was born, he was still healthy and you would never know (laughs) at all. He's just the chunkiest little monkey running around having fun. So,
0: Yeah, but I think also, um, yeah, like you're saying it's your choice, but you're also... Once again, kind of going off the information of the, pe- like, you know, yeah. the doctors and the professionals in that space of what they're kind of also guiding you to yeah. do And I was in your guided previous, to do that too. So, so, so yeah,
2: um, I was guided to, to have him induced, uh, but just looking back as well, it's another thing you look back at and even though it might not feel like it's your decision, it is your decision and having the strength to do that. But I mean... You say things, and you say that I'm worried about something, and sometimes people just don't listen to you, so you feel like it's not a lot of it's not in your control, and you just go with it. Mm. Yeah,
0: and that's the thing. Like I think, yeah, the mother's intuition is just the strongest thing. You know, you are the you are your baby's best advocate. You know, you're the only one that can speak for your baby because you should. You know, you you know how you feel. Um, As you said, like you've you knew she had died. So, and, and I, and I hear that from people like all of a sudden their movements are just not either there or they've just really slowed down. They're like, Oh no, no, I'm not going to bother anybody. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think that, you know, that's a big, big thing for people to understand that don't worry about being a burden on somebody and you think you're going to be that that mother, that pregnant
2: woman, like, no, no, no. Yeah. Just with James, get in there. <laughs> I was in there like twice a week. Yeah. <laughs> so I think they were happy to see the end of me. Yeah. But, yeah, so with James I didn't care because that's mm. how I felt with Charlie. I yeah. I don't want to bother anybody or, you know, they've got better things to do. What if there's another person having giving birth to a baby i don't Mm -hmm. want to
0: but even then like you know they shouldn't be bothered by Mm. seeing the end of you Mm -hmm. with after james like you know that shouldn't it shouldn't ever bother them that's their job that's right to be there to support mothers no matter whether the baby's healthy or not Mm -hmm. every baby and every mother should be a priority so you know but if the mother's feeling great as well and feels like things are going well then you know, then there's, there's the attention in the room that doesn't need to be there. Like I had a big chat the other day with a girlfriend about this because she's like, they wanted to do all these things with me, but I didn't feel it was necessary. And she's like, and the baby is fine. So she's like, it kind of took away from somebody who probably had very big concerns on how they felt. So, and then possibly the outcome mm-hmm. on that.
1: So yeah. Hmm. So coming back to your story, Shay, we, you've had James, but at this stage, Charlie's basket has now also come into the world. Yeah. Would you like to talk a little bit about yeah. creating that?
2: I skipped that, didn't I? Um, yeah. So I found out that I was pregnant with James um, quite early after having Charlie, so being a bereaved mum and a new mum to a baby that had died and also newly pregnant again, I was working on Charlie's Basket. I started working on the idea of Charlie's Basket around the same time. I think I hadn't found out about James just quite yet. And then I also decided to go back to do my year 12 because I hadn't finished that. So I started doing that And um, as a, at a place where I could bring Lana with me. That was really important to keep her with me because I tried putting her into some different sorts of cares but I just wasn't coping um with the way she was reacting as in she was upset she didn't want to be away from her mom there was a lot of grief and trauma happening at home with just losing her sister and she didn't understand well she probably did understand a lot more than I think um so I decided to do Charlie's Basket as a it was um a project really from doing my year 12 was how can we help our community and something along those lines and so I started with that idea and just went with it and I registered it as a business because I didn't know how to register it as a (laughs) not-for-profit and then finally registered it as a not-for-profit and um I just I never had any bad feedback it was all positive feedback and how can we help and how can we be a part of it and I went to a business chicks event that somebody paid for me to go to and I chased down Mia Friedman with a big pregnant belly and my printed out, um, I guess, you know, business, like what I wanted to do, what my goal was and what I'd been through really just, it was a bit of a story and not just a layout for the business. So, um, and i didn't think she'd read it but she did she read it on the plane home (laughs) um and then the next couple of days somebody was contacting me from uh, Mamma mia and it was out and published and online and i didn't even have a bank account or anywhere to put any of the money or anything Mm -hmm. to get (laughs) donated and just was sort of out of my element but um that all happened quite quickly afterwards and they, there it was. There was money for me to go and buy, you know, 10, 20, 30 baskets and they went out really quickly. Um, people contacted me about receiving a basket and um, so many people I had to say no to because I was registered in Victoria and I didn't know how to register as a um, a national service. I had a not-for-profit organisation reach out to me and they wanted me to volunteer their time to do it with them but i wanted to have the control of being able to do it myself and to be able to develop and define what i wanted it to be Mm. um and it was really kind of the idea of having this luxury care package um for a a mum a new mum um with elements for a baby. So the impression kit and the inkless print kit have always been a part of it. But it was really about self-care for for the mum and for them to recover because there's not so many things that I wanted to, to, to do that I didn't have money for because I was looking into, you know, extra costs for a better casket or a better urn or mm. whatever I was looking at. And I thought, but even just things like where do I get an urn from? I have no idea. I was Googling and Googling and everything I was finding was overseas or... Um, going to take way too long to get shipped over so i just kept developing and developing really and it was on the that may of the following year after leaving charlie that it was all registered and happening it happened really really quickly and then i had james and just didn't have any time for anything (laughs) yeah
1: and sarah you've received one of charlie's baskets Mm -hmm. when you lost axel Mm -hmm. would you like to just share your perspective, um, about how it felt to receive that.
0: Yeah. So, um, obviously I had been, um, I had maternity shoot. So my photographer from that, um, knew everything that had happened and she's the one that actually sort of reached out to Shay to get me a basket, which was really, really lovely. Um, so I ended up not receiving it in time at the hospital, but, um, getting it, the, I think the day that I got home in the end, which, you know, hopefully wish I had have stayed longer, but, mm. um, it was kind of nice to sort of receive it and not that I sort of had the capacity to go through every single thing that was in there because, you know, like you said, Shay, you've got all this stuff that they've just kind of thrown at you in mm. the hospital and you're going home with like a stack of paperwork and, brochures and things. And then if you're not getting it from them, you're kind of walking through the social worker's office and going, Oh, there's all this stuff on the wall. And you're like, mm, I should take that. And I should take that. And you never read any of them. Um, cause it's, it's just too much. Um, but I think, you know, receiving the basket and how it looked and it was so beautifully presented and, knowing that like, you know, it had paternity pads in it and, um, and, that, and, you know, obviously the ink-less, inkless prints and the impression kits and stuff, they were so, even though I, I did kind of have a little, a couple of those things, um, it, even though we ended up doubling up, I don't feel like that was a bad thing because we, you know, have so many things, especially with the impression kits, um you know, we used one of them just for his hands and another one just for his feet and, you know, and just so many little things that are just so beautiful and um and I think things like there were just a couple of little things for like Arthur in there and, you know, it was he like, you know, he loved that. So it was really nice for it to be like sort of an all rounded thing, very inclusive of it, even though it was really for me in a sense, um But, yeah, just being able to sort of not have to think about a few things. But it also then did prompt that the next day we went in to see him, I was like, oh, we've got to take these things so that we can create these memories and stuff. So it was really nice. Mm -hmm. Um, And just to know that, you know, somebody else is sort of thinking about you and that you don't feel alone, which is so important because all of a sudden you kind of feel like you are, the only one that's ever gone through this and you're like even though everyone can k- tell you <laughs> you're not alone I've been there or I know someone and you're like no you don't <laughs> like, you just feel so isolated and um but yeah it was it was so I think yeah really beautiful and that sort of led me to reach out to you anyway which I thought was really important and oh. I was so happy you did <laughs> <laughs> and I'm so glad I did too so um Yeah, and just I just think it's um, really beautiful, and I know that I'm and Arthur are excited to plant our seeds next month. Mm -hmm. So you know, because obviously we sort of missed that timing to plant them, obviously, but you know, and now it's going to be a nice little project for us to do. And yeah,
2: still talk about Axel. That's
0: right. Yeah, yeah. So which is really nice. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm going to throw into that um, with Lana. I know that she's been bringing up charlie quite a lot lately so um if you want to talk a bit about that
2: yeah well just as you were saying about having the children's things in there because i haven't even gotten to mention those things because it was really important for me to have something in there for siblings being that lana was two when i had charlie and she just turned two in that that past november so um she was obviously trying to talk a lot um and you know really excited to be a baby have a baby sister Mm. and she um I mean like for half her life she'd been trained you're going to be a big sister now and you've got to do this and this and this and you can't do that and you have gotta be careful and um so to have like seeds for siblings to plant and a little toy in there or whatever I could sort of get my hands on I thought that was really important um, and you know, I'm going to continue with that cause I think it's so important. Like I want to have more in there for dads, but it's just so hard. There's no real, like one thing that you can give a dad <laughs> like the, you know, there's the bearded dad, there's the corporate dad, there's, mm-hmm. you know, the fit dad, there's the true blue Aussie dad. So, yeah. um, it's just, yeah, so hard to have something in there. So the inkless print kits, they come with a voucher to have the, um, the hand handle footprint, turned into a piece of jewelry so it can be cufflings or a key ring or something so hopefully you know that can be something special for dad for father's day or something like that um but with lana uh, she does talk about charlie a lot Uh, she talks about it more because i do charlie's basket and got confused when she was a little bit younger calling her sister charlie's basket Um, but we talk about Charlie nearly every night now When we went with you to the mind body spirit festival, got some crystals and some glitter. And so now every night she makes, still makes a wish. We still have enough glitter left. I probably have to get some more soon. So (laughs) I'm vacuuming every morning. Like, I'll get this glitter. Aunt James is going to put it somewhere. Um, but yeah, she just wants to talk about her. She just wants to tell me she misses her. Um and you know I think it's just having that me spend that time with her to lay with her even if she is just talking about her to have my attention she she does she enjoys it she tells me she wishes that she could use her clothes and mummy I would share my teddies with her and all the you know lots of different things that big sisters big siblings older siblings want to do with their you know brother or sister um but yeah she she loves Charlie. She kisses Charlie's urn and we've got these glass slippers my midwife gave me uh, when she came to. We didn't have a funeral ceremony. We just had like a viewing and mm-hmm. some, had some time spent with Charlie. So um Mama loves those little glass slippers. Mm, that's but, nice. yeah, she just, she she really wants me to have another sister. <laughs> Told her it doesn't really work like that. No, <laughs> She yeah. just wants to have a whole family there and of course, wishes it didn't yeah. happen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is very, you know, it's quite normal. Um, you know, we just, you know, you sort of touched on the fact that, you know, they, they know more than what we actually know that they know um, and their resilience in everything as well, um, but how it actually affects them and their emotions and stuff and sort of just allowing that space for them to feel, um, and allowing that conversation, um, is, is quite important. So, and obviously not everybody that has gone through this, um, has other children. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, but for those that do, you know, it's, um, parenting after loss is very, is very tough, um, because you already know what you're missing out on and then them having to be so full on and you allowing that time to grieve, um, and you also even said, with your grief, you haven 't really had a chance to open yourself up to it completely because you know you got pregnant oh, like straight away and um with james and and then sort of just utilizing your time into charlie 's basket,
2: yeah, trying to um, build something, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, which is beautiful, but um I suppose how has that sort of um held space with your grief?
2: well, I guess at the time." Like you said, it's hard to parent after you've had a loss. I didn't want... When I was a child, I come from a family with people that have got mental illnesses and so I was kept at home a lot because they couldn't cope with going out. And I didn't want to do that to Lana because I, you know, my child had died so I needed to have reasons for me to have to get out of the house. So I put her in dancing and I started studying and I built a not-for-profit, and I developed that constantly while I was juggling going to appointments and all the emotions that come with, you know, having a pregnancy after loss. Um, And that's what I needed to do. So having my grief, even though I shouldn't have, I put that back, way back, way back, Mm -hmm. and focused on trying to get Lana out of the house. But then I wasn't really present for her. Mm -hmm. I was too busy building Charlie's basket or, you know, developing something else. We're at another appointment and just one minute, baby, just one minute. Mummy's just doing this. So I felt terrible. And then it wasn't until after I'd had James and I had a little bit of time off and now she's got a sibling and she doesn't get that one-on-one time. So I should have let that grief unravel but i didn't but i felt like i couldn't anyway because i didn't have that family to support me to help me with lana so i just Mm. kept busy and that's what i need to do at that space and that got me through that got to me where, where i am today so i had to do it that way um but that doesn't mean that that grief hasn't followed me
1: I, I'm not sure that the grief ever leaves. We just learn to live with it oh, definitely. in different ways. Yeah, and, definitely. Um, but just reflecting on what you've said, I still hear in the way that you talk about Lana that you have created space and ritual for her to talk about Charlie and to process that. So I think that that's really beautiful that you still hold that for her in, in creating the wishes and the glitter and mm. that's, That's really beautiful. I hope that if anyone's listening out there that uh, would like to create some rituals, that that's, that's a really gorgeous one that they can do with their children too.
2: Definitely. And that wasn't something that, you know, I would have ever sort of picked out for her to do. I've never really been around crystals and everything. And the more, the older I get and the more I want to be involved in that sort of a space, that's just come with me as age and the way I've sort of driven myself to grow up a little bit. But um, she kind of picked that mm. at when we went to that festival and um, she was really confident and passionate about it yeah. and really wanted to do it. Mm. And so I was really happy for her to do it and the yeah. joy that was on her face just to talk mm. about her sister. And Charlie's not just mine. Like mm. she is Charlie's big sister. She's always going to be Charlie's big sister. And she even gets defensive. Like if anybody ever says anything, like she will defend Charlie. Mm. And that's just the way I haven't taught her to be like that. Yeah, that's her natural instinct. Yeah, which has is been really built nice. in her. Yeah,
0: because yeah. I um, yeah, I noticed that like yeah when we went there and um, obviously I sort of had her at that particular point and um and the lady obviously wanted to give her this little gift and mm. which was really nice and I sort of guided her in um having a little chit chat and stuff and sort of said, oh you know maybe you can make some wishes with Charlie. And her eyes, just her whole world just lit up. The fact that I had spoken about Charlie Mm. to her um, and acknowledged it. And for someone who's not even, what, five, Mm. (laughs) it was like, you know, to like see her, like know that, you know, somebody hasn't been shunned like of of talking about her sister Mm. and in a positive light, you know, it was – obviously very big for her um and then seeing her like sort of guide that conversation and like oh yeah I can do this and and it was beautiful so I was like yes and then when you said you had you know started doing it and I was like great like you know she really it really resonated with her and she really wanted to do that which is such a beautiful thing that now she can it's just her little thing yeah Right. Even if she does it with you, but it's yeah. her little thing that kind of gives her something. Yeah. Um, and especially because James is still quite little. Um, but one thing that I sort of wanted to bring up before we finish up our conversation um, is a lot of people have sort of asked me, um, and it's not something I've really thought too much of, but I know like with you having had James, like how how do you feel and what, kind of things would you guide in with conversation and involve Charlie in his life mm. um having not had had James before and the children after and because they're two very different you mm. know because Lana knew about it and then James is coming in after mm. so how to you um yeah well
2: it's definitely something that I'm working on navigating still <laughs> yeah and that's okay but, um, but yeah. yeah but it's he's definitely I, I would think he's very aware because Charlie's still such a big part of our, our life and I have her displayed still and I still speak about her with Lana and he is there majority of the time. He's like a quailer on my hip except for the one day a week that I am in the office there with me. Yeah. <laughs> so he is always around and always being exposed to stories about Charlie. Um, But it is something that I... I guess I'm just going to learn as I go really with a child that's come after and and telling the story about the baby before you. Mm. Um, But I think he knows so much that I don't know already, even though he's he's not even two yet Um, because Lana sits there and just has little conversations with him about her too being the big sister. So I think it's just going to be really natural, but something I still have to, you know, just learn as I go. Mm, That is just beautiful.
1: Thank you so much for sharing all about your family and about Charlie and yeah, it's just been an amazing time to sit here and listen. So thank you for sharing the way you have. It's been beautiful. Yeah.
0: And, um, and it's, you know, and something that obviously, you know, people can find you um, through social media. Yeah, I always yeah. love to connect with
2: <laughs> other people um, about yeah. it and I do have people message me from time to time and don't hesitate, just reach mm. out and have a feed event to me if that's what you need or just mm. catch up and grab a coffee and tell me about your story. Yeah. Because yeah. it's just, you know, it's about being mums together, regardless if it's your first baby, your second baby, it doesn't matter you're still a mum. That's right.
0: And that's and that's a good note to um, sort of finish up on is that fact that, you know, and that's why we're here and we are still a mum no matter what, um, you know, from once you get that first positive pregnancy test, you know, you're a mum and that's something for everyone to remember um, at the end of the day and that's why we're mm. the still mumma tribe
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> because we are, which is really nice and, you know, and it's um, we're very lucky um, to have Shay not only just here today, but yeah, you know, for the fact that she's very open and is there a chat at any time to, you know, whilst juggling everything else, like, you know, if she doesn't get back to you straight away like everyone else. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we, you know, everyone will get back to, you know, it's really, it's really nice. It's very, um, it's a beautiful thing. So thank you. I could just go on and on. So thank
2: you for having me <laughs> yep. here today. Both of yep. you. It's been amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're, yeah, um, you know you you do you do already you know help so many people even just obviously with me so it's um it's you know we're very grateful to have an honor to have you here today and hopefully a lot of people get um get a lot from your um your episode and also from where you speak quite openly on on your instagram account and you do have your blog so all the information will be there in our show notes and things so
1: thank you so much for coming in today shay and for sharing charlie's story with us we're so lucky to have you and i know that our audience is really going to love our story thanks again the information provided on the still Mama tribe is for educational and informational purposes only The information is not a substitute for professional advice or care. Please seek the advice of a qualified healthcare professional in the event that something you learn here raises questions or concerns for your health. Also, if you require support regarding your loss, SANS Australia has a national support line 24 hours a day. The number is 1300 072 637. Also, see our website for further resources and links for support.